As we think about Memorial Day, we think about those valiant soldiers who lost their life so that we could have freedom. And we as a church, we wanna pray for those that have been lost. And we wanna pray for the families as they grieve. So would you take time right now with me just to pray for those families that God would overwhelm them? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our heroes who gave everything just as your son did. They gave up their lives so that we could have freedom to worship here today. Father, I pray for the families that, Lord, you'd hold them through this time, that you'd overwhelm them with your presence and your love, that, God, you'd allow them to know just how thankful we are that their family member gave it all so that we could have the freedoms that we enjoy today. Father, I pray in this service that you'd speak to us, that, God, as we open your word, that, Lord, you'd reveal the things in our lives that need to change. God, I pray that you'd encourage us today. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's hear it for our heroes. Well, life has a way of knocking us to our knees, doesn't it? It might be that knock on your door from an officer or a phone call at 3 a.m. from a family member. Or maybe it's a devastating diagnosis that comes from a doctor. That was the case for my friend Mason. Mason is married to Melanie, and his daughter, when she was 11 years old, Madison, had something that crazy that happened medically. When she was 11 years old, she, she started getting these headaches. So she went to the doctor, and the doctor said that it's just migraines, so go home for a few days and wait it out, take this medications, and hopefully you, you, you'll get better. Well, after a few days, it didn't get better. It actually got worse. Madison started walking a little bit funny, and she couldn't communicate very well. And at night, the pain was so bad in her head that she would moan and she would cry. Well, my friend Mason realized just how serious this was, so he took little Madison down to the emergency room. And it was there that they took her in for a CT scan to see kind of what was going on in her brain. And that's when the doctor came in and met with Mason and Melanie and he gave them the worst news possible. They said, we think that your daughter has a brain tumor, and it's possibly even cancer. It was at that moment that my friend Mason said that he experienced so much pain, and he turned to God immediately in that moment in prayer. And God began to send people to pray for Mason and for Madison and the whole family. In fact, they had a nurse that night who was on with them who prayed over their daughter but the situation was serious. Madison's blood pressure had fallen so bad because of the brain swelling and she was having trouble breathing. So they decided to move her from a smaller hospital to a downtown hospital where she would get the best care. So they traveled by ambulance to this hospital and the whole time my friend Mason was praying through that. They gave Madison some steroids just to kind of calm everything down and then they sent her in for an MRI. Well, they wanted to do surgery right then and there, but they wanted to wait for the best surgical team to be on so that Madison could get the best care possible. And so they told my friend Mason just to go home and sleep. Well, he couldn't sleep at all. The whole night he spent up praying and asking God to help him in that situation. And so he spent the whole night just praying and wondering what might be next. He just knew that it wasn't his daughter's time in that moment. 
So the next morning came and they went and they sat down with the surgeons. And the surgeon put the MRI film up on the board and they begin to explain just how serious a situation it was. They begin to show the swelling around the brain and everything else. But then they gave them this glimmer of hope. They said, now, we don't even want to tell this to you because it's so rare. In fact, we've never seen it before, but it may be that she has a brain infection and not cancer. And it might have spread from an ear infection that she had earlier. Well, that was just the window of hope that my friend Mason needed. He started praying even more fervently, and he got more people to pray. And here's the weird part of the story. That day when Madison was supposed to have surgery, I just so happened to be at that same hospital making another visit. I called Mason up on his cell phone, and I said, hey, Mason, would you like me to come to your hospital room? Would you like me to pray for Madison? He said, yes, come right now. You don't know how important your timing is. And so I walked into that hospital room, and there was Madison. And she was so calm. There was this peace over her. Even at 11 years old, she knew that God was in control. And so we prayed. Got down on my knees, and we just prayed that God would allow this surgery to go well and that everything would go okay because the doctors had said they had to open her up just to figure out exactly what was going on in her brain. So they took Madison away to start the surgery, and the surgery lasted a few hours. And then after the surgery was done, the doctors came in to meet with Mason and Melanie. And they said, you'll never believe this, but it's just a brain infection. They said, we've never seen this in our whole entire career. Your daughter is one lucky girl. And that's when my friend Mason said, doctor, it's not luck at all. He said, we believe that there's a God who did a miracle in our daughter's life. And that's our God, folks. Our God shows up when we pray. When life hits us at our knees, that's the time, right? When we turn to him in prayer. Think about during COVID-19 and what took place. That was a time where we all collectively hit our knees and we started to pray all around the world. In fact, Google tracks it, which isn't very reassuring, but Google tracks it, and they actually found that across the world, people did Google searches for prayer 50% more than they had ever done them. Why? Because people were looking. They were desperate. They thought their world, their business, everything else was coming to an end. So they looked online to find prayers or things to help them through that time. In fact, Americans, 50% of Americans prayed for an end to the pandemic. And aren't you so glad that this is almost over now? I'm so glad that this is almost over. But you know what I hope doesn't stop? I hope we don't stop praying. I hope we don't stop seeking God's face. I hope we don't stop communicating to God regularly because if this pandemic taught us anything, it taught us how to pray. It taught us how to look to God for help. And that's why this talk is so important. Because today I want to give you a little extra helping of prayer. I want to help you to understand why we pray and how we're supposed to pray. Because prayer is truly the way that we connect with our Father. So let's start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Why do we pray? 
My kids, when they were very little, they always asked those why questions. They would say, Dad, why is the sky blue? Why is mommy so much nicer than daddy? Why are there only 24 hours in a day? Why can't I stay up later? Why can't I fly? They had all these different why questions that they asked when they were younger. But as you grow older, that curiosity kind of goes away. You stop asking those why questions. But that why question is so important. And it's so important to ask that why question when it comes to prayer. So put very simply, prayer, first of all, is our way to communicate to God. And that's why we should pray, because it's our way to talk to God. I love what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. It says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. Then in Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. You see, prayer is our vehicle through which we communicate to God. And isn't it comforting to know that God listens to our prayers? That God hears every prayer that we've ever uttered. The Bible says that he catches our prayers and he puts them in bowls up in heaven. God loves it when we pray. God loves it when we take time to communicate with him. Now, I have been married now for 17 years. In fact, this weekend is my anniversary. Thank you, Jesus, for 17 great years. But one thing that I've learned about being married is the importance of communicating. And now my wife, she loves focused communication. And I am a guy that multitasks all the time. So I often have my iPhone out and I'm looking at work stuff and I'm texting other people and everything else. And so my wife, in her cute little Southern Belle voice, she always says, I'll wait. Just go ahead. And so she always says that to me because she loves focused communication. And that's my clue just to put it down and to have that focused time. Now, when Laura and I are communicating, our relationship is thriving. But when we fail to communicate, there's a disconnect between us. We're like ships passing in the night and we wither away to nothing. I think she says she feels disconnected from me, but... I don't really know what she was saying because I wasn't really listening. (laughs) That's usually how we are sometimes, right? Where we fail to communicate, we become disconnected. And here's what I love about God. God wants to connect with us. And the way that we connect with him regularly is through prayer. It's those times that we pray that we draw near to him and he allows us to grow in our relationship with him. It's that time where we feel his presence where we know that everything is going to be okay, that he has us, that he wants to hold us, that he wants to help us. But if all that's true, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Well, I think the second thing that we know about why we pray is that prayer shows that we're depending upon him. And most people don't want to depend upon God. Why? They want to depend upon themselves. They want to look to themselves for everything. Now, me personally, I love driving. I love it. My wife knows that I will never let her drive because I hate being in the passenger seat because I am a control freak, okay? You'll learn that if you get really close to me. I love to be in control. And most of us are the same way. We like to be in control of our life. 
And prayer is my opportunity to say, I'm not in control. God, you're the one who's in control. I am utterly dependent upon you. It's our way to say that my role is like a child. And God is my father. And I'm coming to him and saying, God, this is what I need. It makes us dependent upon him. Prayer is our way of resigning as the center of the universe. And most of us don't like that. Because we like to be in control. But it's so important when we pray to say, you know what, God? I'm giving up control. I'm completely dependent upon you. The third reason why we should pray is because simply it works. Over and over again as a pastor, I could sit up here and I could share story after story of times where life knocked a couple down to their knees and they began to pray and God showed up. I could share stories of how God moved and worked and did the impossible in our midst. And that's because prayer works. God always answers our prayers. It may not be the answer that we want, but he always answers us. So that's why we should pray. But then it raises the question of how should we then pray? How should we pray every single day? How should we pray? Well, I love that question because the disciples actually asked Jesus this same exact question. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 11, verse number one. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So the disciples are seeing that Jesus is praying quite often. And so they see that Jesus, this was an important part of his life. So they say, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Would you show us how we should pray to be effective? And it's at that point that Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus wasn't giving us a prayer that we would pray mindlessly over and over and over again. But he was showing us a guide for how I believe you and I could be effective when we pray. Here's what Jesus prays in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. It says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, Most of you who are watching this or sitting here, you have probably heard this prayer before. You might have prayed this prayer thousands upon thousands of times. My question is, do you really understand what Jesus was trying to say? Do you understand the guide that Jesus was giving us for how we should pray? Because the more that I understand this prayer and the more that I read it over again, I think of new things on how I should pray effectively. In fact, a few years ago, we did a series all about this one prayer for six weeks. I only have about 20 minutes to share how much is packed in this passage of Scripture. But it's huge because Jesus was giving us a a guide on how we could pray effectively. So here's kind of what I get out of it. Here's that guide that I see in this prayer. Here's where it starts. This is the first thing. You got to start with putting God in his rightful place. And we already talked a little bit about this before, but you got to put God in his rightful place. 
Which is why Jesus begins and he says, our Father who is in heaven. You see, Jesus is saying, God, you are our Father. You're the one who takes that place. And in humility now, as your children, we're coming before you. We're coming before you as your children asking you for what we need. And so, God, we're coming to you and we're putting you in that rightful place. He says you're in heaven. And that's where God is. God sits above us. He is further away from us. And I love that it says, uh, hallowed be your name. And that's an important word there. Because that's saying, God, you are so holy. God, you are so much bigger than all of us are. And that's what's happening here, is that God is becoming bigger and we are becoming smaller when we pray. Now, the becoming smaller part is easy for me, okay? I'm a small man. But that idea is so important that we put God in his rightful place, that he is the king, that he's our father, that he is the one who sits on the throne. And when we pray, we should imagine God. We should imagine God sitting on the throne, listening to us from heaven. We should pray that our will and his will align with one another, and we should thank him for what he's done for us. That puts God in his rightful place. And then the second thing that you have to do is you've got to ask God for what you need. You've got to ask God for what you need. And sometimes this is hard for us to think that, man, we could go before God and we can ask him for what we need. But Jesus prays that prayer. And he says, give us today our daily bread. God, give us what we need. And those are the prayers that we should pray. And Jesus, in fact, taught us to pray like that. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I love those words, and I highlighted them for you. Ask, seek, and knock. Those are the most important words that are there in that, because Jesus is commanding us. Those words are commandments to ask, seek, and knock. He's saying our role is to ask God for whatever we need, for all of our needs to be met. What's God's role in that? His job is to open the door. His job is to open up the door so that we can then walk through. I learned a lot about this with my own little children because over the pandemic, we had to give each of our kids their own laptop in order to do all their schoolwork and everything else. And giving our kids a laptop was a bad idea because, man, all they want to do is just stream YouTube videos for like over 12 hours a day. And we realized that really fast. So we, at being good parents, uh, like put screen time limits on our kids' computers. And so now, every single day at the Poe House, you will hear the same conversation over and over and over again. Dad, can I have more screen time? Can I have more screen time? I see a little screen time. Can I have more screen time? Can I have more screen time? Can I have more screen time? It is so frustrating. Like, well, what is that all about, right? My kids know that their job is to be persistent in asking us. My job is to be the gatekeeper of the internet. 
My job is to open the door. And when I've realized, you know, hey, they have had enough time, the door gets shut. When I realize they've been nice and good and done all their homework and everything else, then dad will open the door. My job as a dad is to open the door. It's their job to ask, to seek, to knock. And the same is true in our relationship with God. Our job is to be persistent. Our job is to ask, to seek, to knock. It's God's job to open the door. But here's what I know about God. He is a loving father and he knows what's on the other side of that door. You might pray. You might pray and say, God, man, I'm praying for that special someone that's out there, the man of my dreams, and I think it's this guy or this girl. But God knows what's on the other side of that door. So God may shut that door. You might pray, God, please help me to get this job. God, if you just open the door to this job, I think my world will be so much better. But God knows what's on the other side of the door. He knows that it might be more painful for you. It might be a whole world of hurt that you don't want and you don't need. So God holds the door shut. You see, it is our job to ask, seek, and knock. And it's our job also to trust that God's the one who opens the door. That God knows what his plan is for our life, but we have to ask him. The next thing that we see in that prayer is you got to confess where you've messed up. You've got to confess where you've messed up. And that's where Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. You see, we should ask God for forgiveness. I have to say, honestly, as a pastor, this is probably the hardest one for me. Because I hate, I hate saying the words, I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't matter if it is my wife or my kids or a coworker or someone else. I hate saying the words, I'm sorry. I hate having to humble myself. And sometimes I would rather harbor all those feelings of bitterness and anger and everything else rather than eating humble pie. I had this guy in my small group who always says, hey, you want to know the best way to eat humble pie? It's when it's fresh. I hate those words. But it's so true. Because if you let humble pie around long, like it will rot And it will cause distance between you and other people and it will hurt your relationships. It's so much easier just to go and say, I'm sorry, I blew it, I messed up. And that's even more true with God because we all mess up, we all blow it. But I love what it says in 1 John chapter one, verse number nine, it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's God, isn't it? God, if we confess our sins, he is so faithful. He will forgive us. The Bible says that he puts our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's how far our trespasses are from him. He offers that forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. That we could be forgiven of every wrong thing that we've ever done. And daily in prayer, he wants us to go to him and he wants to share how many times we blew it. And for many of us, it's daily. 
For many of us, it's going through the laundry list of all the different things that we did wrong. And it's saying, God, forgive me of this. Help me, God, in this situation. Help me not to lose my patience. Help me to follow after you. And God's faithful to forgive us. But we also, with that, that prayer of confession, we also need to pray, pray a prayer of repentance. Saying, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. If you are daily coming back to the same thing over and over and over again, it might be time to get some help. It might be time to get some help with God and with some other people who will hold you accountable to not do the same thing over and over and over again. You gotta confess, you gotta repent, you've gotta turn away from those wrong things. The last thing that I find in that prayer is you gotta get on the right track. You gotta get on the right track. And this one is so important because make no mistake about it, there is an evil one that's out there who wants to get you off track. He will throw temptation after temptation at you so that you don't follow God's way. He will lure you in with pleasures. He will lure you in with possessions. He will lure you in with pride, thinking you could do life on your own. But we know that none of that will ever fill you up. We know that God has a better way. And when we follow the standards that we find in the Bible, he leads us into this abundant life. But when we get on off track, we feel empty. Think about where your temptation leads you. I mean, no one sits down and he eats a whole box of Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies and feels good about themselves. <laughs> it's true, okay? And in that same way, every time I've blown it with my anger and I've said words that I didn't want to say, every time I've let my own pride get the best of me, Every time I've gone my own way, instead of following God, I've always been left feeling empty. I've always been left holding all of the cards, and it's an empty, horrible place. That's not what God wants for us. God wants for us to get on the right track. So he says, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from that evil one. You see, that allows us to get on the right track. And so daily, we should ask God for the same thing. So if you want to learn how to pray, you follow that guidance that Jesus gave. You start with putting God in his rightful place. Then you ask God for what you need. You confess where you blow it, where you've messed up. And then finally, you pray and you say, God, get me on the right track. And when you do those things, you will find that you're going to draw closer and closer to God. Now, this doesn't have to be like a regulated time for like 15, 20 minutes. You could pray sentence prayers all day long, and you don't have to be a professional God person to do this. God wants us all to pray to him. God wants us all to look to him because he knows. As we communicate with him, our relationship gets better and better. But maybe you hear this message and you start thinking back and you're like, man, it's been a long time since I prayed. Maybe it's been a week or maybe it's been a month or maybe now it's been a whole year since I actually was focused on prayer. Well, if that's you, I want to give you some summer homework today, okay? 
<laughs> no one's really excited about that. But I want to give you some uh, summer homework through which I believe you can draw closer to God. The first thing when it comes, if you want to get better with prayer, is pick a time. Pick a time that you can spend alone with God. Then mark that off on your calendar and say, hey, nothing is going to interrupt this time. And then you need to keep the right perspective. You need to put God in his rightful place. You need to think about this, right? Every time we pray, we speak to the God who parted the Red Sea. The God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The God who put all these things together, who holds our very life in the balance. And you've got to remember that. You've got to think through what God has done and how he's come through over and over and over again. So you've got to keep the right perspective. And then finally, I would encourage you to keep a journal. Now, I know this sounds a little girly. I mean, all the ladies probably get really excited because you want to run down to Hobby Lobby like right now and buy a prayer journal. But that's not what I'm going for here, okay? What I am asking you to do is that you just keep a record of your prayers. Because as you keep a record, it's going to focus you when you pray. Because a lot of times we start praying, right, in the morning, and we start thinking about all the things that we've got to do, and it starts with, dear God, please help so-and-so, and I've got laundry to do, and a dog to put out, and you're lost. But a prayer journal will keep you focused. Because you'll think about all those different things that you're praying for. And your prayer journal doesn't have to be very complex. It can be very simple. You could just write down the date that you first are requesting something from the Lord. Write down that date. Then after you write down the date, write down exactly what you're asking for. And be specific. Because you will be amazed as you're more specific how God comes through with each one of these requests. And then after that, write the date down that God answers your prayers. And it may not have been the answer that you wanted. But let me tell you this. God will always answer your prayers. You see, if you make time to pray, and if you keep a record of it, God will bolster your faith. He will help you along. You will draw close to him, and you will feel him helping you no matter what you're facing in life. And that's what I love about God. I read this story this week about this little girl named Melinda. And Melinda was just four years old. And when she was four years old, she loved that story, The Three Little Pigs. And so every night when she went to bed, she always asked her parents to read her the same story. And so her parents always loved it. They would read the book with her, and then they would tuck her in, and they would kiss her goodnight. Well, this actually went on for several months and after about eight months of doing the same exact thing, the husband had the bright idea. He's like, hang on a second. She loves the story, so I am going to record me reading the story on a tape recorder. Then every night when she crawls into bed, she can just play the story over and over again and fall asleep really fast. Well, Melinda resisted. So the dad said, Melinda, what's going on? It's the same story. Yes, she said, but I couldn't sit in its lap. See, I love that story. Because amazingly, our Heavenly Father is eager to spend time with us. And that happens, folks, when we pray. We draw close to Him. 
we feel him holding us and helping us along. I think all of us would say that we want an extra helping of prayer. My hope and my prayer for all of us is that we would make time to pray this week. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you sit enthroned on high in heaven, but yet you listen to every prayer that we pray. Father, thank you that you love us that much. Thank you that we are kids of the Most High King. And Father, as your children, we come before you and we just ask that you would work. Father, I know that there's many situations of people who go to this church who are just hurting right now. So I pray, God, that you'd rescue them that you would be their ever-present help in their time of trouble. I ask, God, that you would use our church, too, for big things. I pray, God, confessing to you that we don't have it all together, that, God, on our own, we're messed up. We can't seem to get it right. So, God, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us and make us right before you and help us to forgive other people in that same way that you've forgiven us. I pray, God, that you'd keep us also on the right track, God, I know that there's an evil one who wants to knock us down, but I pray through you, Lord, that you would give us strength to follow you, that you would give us strength to resist all the temptations so that we can honor you with our lives and with our hearts. I pray too, God, that you would change us even now in this moment. Father, make us more like your son, Jesus. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.